Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 136, episode one of Jay Daily's Ice Guys. Radio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers uh, and fuck Fox uh, News. It's Monday, June 1st, 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. How come every time Jack come around my mountain, mountain dew, he drink it down like mountain, 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 he drink it down like mountain, 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 he drink it down like, <laughs> all right, that's courtesy <laughs> of official dickhead. Produced by Polo uh, to Dawn. Yeah, yeah. Also, shout out to uh, those like 12-year-old kids out in a parking lot just beer-bonging two liters of Mountain Dew. Uh, somebody <laughs> poured me an image on Twitter. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate y'all. I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles When the truth is found to be Miles and gravel joints and then you smile don't you want somebody to get high with don't you need someone to get high with wouldn't you love someone to get high with you better find someone to get high with miles okay so Thank you to Hannah Soltis for that wonderful somebody to love, a.k.a. Uh, also, Miles Gray, a.k.a. Oh, please don't let me see Amy Klobuchar be the VP, because uh, then we're really testing the limits of what I can stomach. Uh, so, but yes, thank you to everybody uh, for the AKAs and wonderful messages. Uh, I'm glad everyone appreciated the episode last week. Uh, and I just, you know, I, I hope we can keep this energy up because we have to uh, forever, basically. <laughs> by today's guest from Citizen Critic. He is the other Citizen Critic. He is Mr. Greg Conley. Hey, What's thank up, you. Greg? What's happening? I am the How other much? one. Uh, welcome, know. welcome. Are you, also in, voice. are you also in the Commonwealth? I am in the Commonwealth. Okay. I am right in Boston. Actually, Arlington, right outside Boston. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, what's the, how's the weather uh, in Massachusetts? Uh, it's, you know, like, pea soup it's thick you know Ooh, just that thick. kind of angry kind of heat that we get around here uh i've yeah. never been to boston in the like i've only been there in the winter <laughs> for whatever reason but yeah. that's when you gotta see it you gotta yeah i know right yeah when you just can't go outside because it's just... the earth is mad at you <laughs> anger levels are at an all-time high Right, that right, accent right. Really when are anger, is there a day, I guess maybe Patriots Day is the one day when anger levels are not uh, abnormally high in Massachusetts? No, well, I mean, Patriots Day, it's later on in the day the anger really comes out. It's just right. drunken rage yeah. at that point, you know. What's Patriots Day? Actual, Patriots Day is a made-up holiday that they celebrate in Massachusetts yep. where, like, everybody gets off work. Because uh, it's the marathon. It's the day of the Boston Marathon. Everybody oh, God, goes okay. out. Everybody who's not running the Boston Marathon goes out and gets day drunk, and uh, usually there's a bunch of fist fights yeah. uh, in the afternoon. The uh, real good comes out of people. <laughs> that yeah. Patriots Day yeah. is when you see what we're really Boston made of. city of fist fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never taken a punch once in my life. 
I've never given one either. I don't know anybody who's never either been in a fight or nearly had to de-escalate something when in Boston and inebriated. Oh, man. (laughs) Or just fucking walking by yourself. I meticulously avoided getting into uh, fistfights, and yet, like, in Boston, just, like, being out to dinner (laughs) with somebody, I I was watching a sporting event on the bar TV, and somebody who was at the bar somehow managed to mistake that for me looking at him and inviting him to fight me. And he came <laughs> over and was like, hey, bro, you, uh, you want to go? Up, you want to go outside? Huh? Yeah, yeah, I noticed yeah. you looking at me and my buddies over there. It was just Oh, wild. wow. Um, and is, I just, yeah. I still medic- meticulously avoid, I was like, I, I, I. I, what are you talking about, man? Uh, I'm <laughs> I mistakenly coward. had, I mistakenly had Laker gear on, so. <laughs> kind of invited that one, you know. The uh, but the the Boston anger and uh, drunkness is an actual thing that is like it's a a thing that is a known quantity in the NBA. Like ahead of a game, they're like, "Oh, well, it's a night game on a weekend, so you're dealing with a Boston <laughs> crowd that is, woo, yeah, they're gonna be." Angry. Yeah, I go to a lot of Celtics games and it is it's jarring when you sort of look around and be like, these are my <laughs> fellow men, men and women in life. These yes. these are the people that I've chosen to live around. energy for the basketball game. <laughs> Guys, yeah. God damn it. Like people are like clenching their teeth so hard they break on my, on my Zoom. Fuck. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> nope. Uh, so. Dan, should I just hit record now and we'll just get a change in audio quality right now? <laughs> sure. I think keep that and okay. keep that in. Keep I this in okay. so it's part and of a bit. All of it. Now. now I'm recording. Love Great. You guys. See? <laughs> but look, this is. Dan hates me. But we try and keep it transparent. This Never. is what love happens. You. Love it. It's the Friday. Fans love us. Mm. What are you going to do? Fun here. Monday. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Greg, uh, <laughs> you are. I believe I kicked somebody's ass for saying something like that. <laughs> Greg, you're a scientist. I uh, am a scientist. Yeah. What are you doing talking to us? What, what's um, going on? There? Uh, well, uh, I don't know, actually. No, I, I started the podcast with Scott. Um, we met in college. I used to work in the music business as I was sort of getting my science training. Um mm. And was, you know, working in management and did a little bit of tour management. And we've just been friends the whole time, sort of, you know, helping out his band and then going out on tour with some other bands and finally realizing, you know, tour management is really, really hard. I just, I, yeah, it is. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the least fun gig on the whole thing. A hundred percent. Like it's, it's, you know, you watch like Almost Famous and you're like, yeah, no, that's what I want to do that. That's so much fun. It's like, yeah. Even that's not that fun. <laughs> right. Kind of show in the movie. But, you know, so the, after a while, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm done with this. I'm going to do, I like science, you know, so I did science. But Scott what? and I are still friends and, you know, we're friends with uh, our buddy Jake Brennan, who does Disgraceland. And he was like, you guys should do this podcast. You know, I think you should, you should start something. So we started kicking around ideas and came up with Citizen Critic. Nice. What feel like? Nice, what sort of specific discipline? What 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 science specifically? So I am a protein chemist, a biochemist. Oh. Um, so my train. It's act. It's my entire career has been in antibody research. 
I started out doing building diagnostic antibody tests. And oh, now wow, I wow. run a research group that uh, where we do immune tolerance, so therapeutics for autoimmune disease. And it's basically where doing the inverse of what a vaccine does, which is like ramp up your immune system to fight, you know, something foreign. Right. We're ramping it up to protect against something self. Wow, this is Pallavi Ganalan. She was finishing her PhD uh, in biochemistry. <laughs> and then at the last thing was like, I like comedy. So I'm going to do that. <laughs> and she was just saying like when we she was on since the lockdown was saying like all of her colleagues were now completely shifted all of their research uh, to coronavirus. And she yeah. was like, it feels weird, but she's like, but I'm also able to help still uh, as much as I can, but just not in the official capacity of the program as I used to. But. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Are you, chemistry energy. Are you working on coronavirus stuff, Greg? We are not. Um, my wife's company is is actually working on it. Um, and then okay. we have a collaboration with the University of Chicago. They're working on a, on a vaccine. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Well, well, good. Great to I'm have glad we're taking you on. away from that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> again, so I'm not we're going to get to know you. <laughs> we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. Uh, this is one of those episodes where we're going to acknowledge we're recording this uh, days ago from when you're listening to this. So I uh, just have to acknowledge that up front because the world is on fire right now um, and things are changing pretty quickly. So we'll talk about last week we asked who should be Bowie 2.0 in Labyrinth. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about how the world is reopening and uh, what that looks like specifically at some Florida theme parks. Uh, and then we're going to get into what we watched. Uh, we watched that Epstein documentary. Uh, we watched Lovebirds. Love Miles <laughs> took Miles chose correctly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Between that binary, wow. For for the yeah. sake of everyone's like mental health, I think I picked the best research. one. <laughs> I chose the uh, like the like the guy who chose incorrectly in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark or no uh, not Raiders uh, Last Crusade, which is problematic title maybe, uh, <laughs> but uh, who just like withers away and the the knight is like you chose incorrectly. That's how I felt yeah. watching that. That night was a little smug. I felt yeah, total <laughs> asshole. That's like um, clearly. But I guess you get smug just like experiencing time pass in a cave uh, for all eternity. It's fair. Uh, Greg, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Uh, I don't know what it reveals exactly, but my search hi history in this at this point is almost entirely about Animal Crossing New Horizons. <laughs> so the last mm. thing I Google searched was, is there an app that accurately predicts turnip prices? Which is yet the saddest another important thing. <laughs> important thing we're taking you away from, uh, <laughs> right? Is Animal Crossing? Yeah, I've seen it about uh, turnip futures. It is <laughs> honestly, I, it's like maybe I should invest in like the stock market. Or something, I, I mean, I what? I just know turnips are constantly talked about, and then yeah. Elijah Wood because someone was saying they had the low low for the turnips or whatever, and the. <laughs> What is the turnip economy essentially is for the ignorant, for the animal they, crossing ignorant uh, yeah. that is so like volatile that you're like, I wish I could count myself in that. So they show <laughs> up and it's weird in these COVID times, this, this little, this person shows, I don't know, she's not a person. I don't know what she is. She's a little character and she constantly has a runny nose every Sunday and she's only there till noon and she has turnips on her back. Daisy May is her name. It's not important. 
But uh, of course. no, we're writing she, this all down. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty Daisy important. May. And you can know. buy all these things. You have until twelve on Sunday, and then over the course of the week, they get priced twice a day in your little nook shop on the island. So you have mm-hmm. these two little guys that like price turnips. But how does the pricing work? Like, is that based on supply it's totally and demand? Totally arbitrary. Like, that, oh, that's search. infuriating. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, yeah. okay, I got it. So you're like, what? There's no rhyme or reason to this. I need to. I paid fucking 97 bells for a bunch of turnips and now they're worth 40. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why (laughs) I think a a game would allow the players to completely like upend the in game economy (laughs) like that, but that would be an interesting experiment. It's just the perfect Nintendo game. It's like turn your brain off. You walk around, you have a net, you catch butterflies, you throw the, you catch fish, you do gardening, Mm. like all the stuff I should be doing at my own house, but you know, I, I do it virtually. I hear tell of Tom Nook. Who who who's <laughs> he's, that? He's the Godfather, Tom Nook. He's he's the one that okay. started it all. Like he makes you kill people for him and stuff. <laughs> I or? would if I could get those yeah. turnip prices up. I'll tell you that much. Wow. No, no, um, that seems aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is uh, what is something you think is underrated? I think underrated is not having a take. Human beings can, you cannot have a take in this world. And I feel like that's a very underrated thing when somebody just stays silent on something like mundane. Mm. I, I yeah, don't think not, you have to have a take on everything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The bigger issues uh, don't be silent. But yeah, if it's yes. like, well, what do you think about Tom Nook? Like, honestly, <laughs> right. like, yeah. I don't know. Give us a f- yeah. Like, the bigger yeah. issues, silence is a take. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But, but whether. Your friend's french fries are properly salted when you took one. I, you know, I don't. It's fine. That's your taste. I don't need to hear about it. Yeah, I think that's kind of like part of the, I don't know, just opinions have been so commodified, like in the social media age that like now it's like this expectation of like, yeah, but what's your, like, I need to know what you think about this. It's like, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it enough to care because even that topic is not of any consequence to me. So I I do all these. All this research for like Citizen Critic and you're on Yelp. And it's some there's a subset of people that feel like they're obligated, like it's a government mandate that they have to review everything. Right. And it's you know, yeah. it's like a, a Grand Canyon. Someone's reviewing the Grand Canyon. It's like, well, I didn't want to have to do this. Well, don't. <laughs> I don't care what you, fucking hole in the ground, man. I don't care what you think about it. <coughs> My favorite uh, genre of literature is uh, Amazon reviews of like movies. It's really, truly amazing. <laughs> like there's a there's a like faux intelligent voice that people uh, kind of adopt. I first found out about it and uh, how did this get made? But it's really worth just reading up on uh, <laughs> on people's reviews of like The Godfather. Wait, is this like, like if you if you're watching like on Prime, like there's a way to look at reviews, or this is like if you're buying no, no, a DVD just like you have to like seek it out. Like, yeah, yeah, it's DVDs. Oh, oh, oh so like if you're going to like the Godfather box set collection, scroll down yeah. to the reviews, and then people have a take on the content, not even find the, the one star reviews. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. What's something you think is overrated? I gotta say, I, I've always thought this. I think bacon is vastly overrated as a wow. as a standalone item. It's fine. I don't need it in every last fucking thing. Yeah, this is a common theme we hear a lot. Is it? Uh, well, you know, I think because there the last ten years have been, or maybe fifteen years, have been so 
bacon centric yeah uh and like to the point where it was like funny and we were all like oh my god yeah bacon gum sure fuck it why not Uh, (laughs) still happening yeah but i think now it's like that it feels like a bygone era but shit i still love bacon but yeah Yeah, not to the point i used to though but i used to be like that kind of annoying bacon person we were like Dude, Slater's 50-50. They got it's 50% beef, 50% pork <laughs> yeah, belly. Yeah, the yeah. burgers are all bacon and the bread is bacon and then the cheese yeah. is bacon. It's like, okay, yeah, thank We've you. We've had to do a lot of work on this guy. I'm not gonna lie to <laughs> yeah. you, Greg. He, he used to be Mr. Bacon. Mr. All bacon. His t-shirts were bacon related. Yeah. His clothes. I had yeah, yeah, I had a really terrible bacon wig I would wear. I'm not wearing it today. <laughs> it, was like, it, was, it was a whole thing. Um bacon. I actually like bacon as a uh, that that was like a I had a bolognese uh, oh. that I used to make before when I had uh, oh. free time. I'm, when you were in the old country, yeah. When I was in the, when I was in the old country, there'd just be some uh, accordion music drifting in through the open window. I can hear it now. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I can hear it now. Really paints a picture. It's vivid. Yeah. I was uh I was the world's slowest cook, so it, may, it took me like four hours to make it because I just like s- cut like one slice of the vegetables, then go do something else. But uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> must be infuriating to watch. Very, very inefficient. It's incredibly and uh, my wife is like very fast, efficient. She's a good cook, but like I I just take forever, anyways. Uh, but the secret to the bolognese was crumbled bacon just oh. get that in there early and it really spreads the flavor around you should get it unsmoked um, yeah yeah i mean because uh, in italy oh, you know you would have to actually use a pancetta uh you pancetta. Know, uh, so yes. that's what the that's actually what the recipe calls for and the yeah. fact that i use bacon is like well, i've done the uh, same not, I've yeah. done the same, but I realize it's because of when it's smoked, it imparts that smoky flavor that pancetta mm. doesn't have. So if you get unsmoked bacon, that helps at least with the you know pork fat issue. But you got to use yeah. a nice sofrito too. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, you got to have your carrots, and you're gonna have to have your little celery. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the uh, that's the other big ingredient is celery and carrots. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the truth. What is Greg? What is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? I don't know how many people think it's true, but I grew up thinking it was true uh, that you can actually a spider can actually lay eggs in your skin and they'll hatch. And underneath babies, your skin, yeah. Underneath your skin, yeah. And I know that this is not true because I was on vacation years ago and I woke up and there was a giant spider on my stomach doing something that looked exactly like it would be laying eggs in my stomach. And I startled <laughs> it. <laughs> It was ju- it was a big spider, and I freaked out and I swatted at it and it like bit me, you know, did the thing on my stomach, uh, and I left the place I was staying at. And was like I can't go back in that room. That spider was enormous, but you know, no spider babies came out of my stomach. Mm. You said okay. it was on your stomach, like you awoke to it, just like crawling on your belly, like yeah, when just Mr. staring like when- up at you. When, it was uh, just Neo's getting that weird like probe put in his nose. Yeah, that's by, what like, I was Asian picturing Smith. too. That's exactly. Yeah. What I, was I was like, thinking. oh fuck, it's going in the fucking navel. Oh fuck, fuck. There was at least a fifteen-second pause of eye contact, right? Where it realized <laughs> yeah. I was awake and I realized right. it was on me. And it, this is another one of those just like, intense. I feel like, uh, I just feel like intense one of those myths, slammings though. intercut with each other. <laughs> dan, dan. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. getting closer and closer. 
But you know, yeah. just like the you know, like the Richard Gear gerbil story, or the had to get their stomach pumped because they gave so yeah. many blowjobs myth. Like the spider <laughs> eggs under your skin is also like a thing that proliferates like at a in a in a middle school yard or a summer yeah. camp bunk where yeah. yeah, and it's all. But the thing, the funny thing is, it always takes one kid to say they know the person oh, it absolutely. happened to for the yeah. whole thing to be like. Because I remember vividly, someone was like, yeah, my cousin, like it's it was under her scab and it was funny. like eggs under there and they came out and like, oh, fuck. And then you'll <laughs> always be like, yeah, my friend's cousin, my friend's cousin, my friend's cousin. <laughs> yeah. We don't do any fact checking when we're 11. I mean, generally yeah. when you're 11, that stops, you know. But to think now though, too, we didn't have fucking Wikipedia, right? Where I'm sure another 11 year old could be like, no. And then yeah, be like, yeah. then Google it. And then you're like, yeah, you fucking idiot. Go back to your shame spot. <laughs> that is you the liar. question that like, do we... Like that that's one that I think like I just googled do animal cuz I don't believe you Greg I think I think scientists <laughs> are full of yeah, shit. because so. my friend's cousin actually did get a bunch of <laughs> Yeah, so it did happen to her. Um but I I did google it and it it says, you know, this is just a myth. Uh don't don't worry about it. It's not that lump is not spider <laughs> eggs. Spider eggs. Uh, it is it was venom. It's all it is what hair. the internet tells you everything is is cancer. It's probably cancer. Oh god, <laughs> Webman. That's what Webman is for. <laughs> yeah, but I do wonder like is this going to be a generation that's completely devoid of uh those men? like that's one that's easy to debunk, yeah. but like that I th- I still think we're going to have the people having to get enormous amounts of uh gerbils pumped out of their stomach. <laughs> oh, it takes I, on a life of its own. I mean, I think but yeah. kids also, these things happen because kids like to feel like they know everything. So sometimes like you don't actually have to know the fact. You just have to appear to be the person to know the fact. So yeah. in that yeah. sense, like, and then I'm sure as they get older, they'll actually respect fact more than the fiction part and want to just think- flex on people with their nerd brain. But like, yeah, I think... Kids are going to still, f- I mean, look, they smoke jewels and don't give a fuck. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. I think our current president actually debunks all of this conversation about as right. we get older, people yeah, fact check shit. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah, right. yeah. If the he internet said is tomorrow, only getting dumber. his cousin had spiders coming out of her armpit, yeah. you, you know. Right. 30% like, of the yeah. country would be like, Dur? and that's why I only use Old Spice. <laughs> Kills it's spider amazing. eggs dead. <laughs> Uh, Greg, one thing that I wanted to ask you guys as Citizen Critic is like, is there a movie or like some work of culture that we think of as being uh, like well reviewed at the time or well respected that like you guys have looked back at and realized was not or like had a bunch of negative feedback? Oh, wait, that at the time we thought it was like it became a classic despite the negative feedback? Yeah, yeah, that we don't realize was negative. Like, I remember reading uh, Roger Ebert's review of Ghostbusters, I think it was, and yeah. he just, like, shit all over yeah, it and said it was like the it. dumbest movie of all time. And The Shining, I recently read, is was, like, really poorly reviewed at the time. Have you guys come across anything like that? I mean, we did The Shining, we did a Shining review, and there were a lot of, lot of, actually, there weren't that many bad, there were some pretty bad ones of the shining but like i think overwhelmingly the shining got good reviews we haven't really come across one that was surprisingly negatively reviewed it's usually tough to you know like or is it usually the inverse like it starts off with fantastic reviews and then you're like what the fuck yeah like all of a sudden you watch it years later it's like the usual suspects and i watch that and it's it's just to me it's an unwatchable (laughs) movie of like what 
Good lord, the it's got everything brother. like a thirteen year old needs though. It like does, that's yeah, why yeah. I'm hooked on usuals because my, I go back to thirteen year old Miles and I'm just saying all the lines. I'm like shut the fuck up, you cocksucker, like, <laughs> like yeah, doing yeah. all that shit or like let them Kaiser Susie like. That's yeah. all it is. That's all I like but about it. But at the it. time, I think I watched it, I was just like, this is cinema. Yeah, right. This right. is maybe the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> I'm like, bro, verbal, look at that. He's walked it off. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you just thought that what was happening in that scene was he was walking off his he yeah, when you're 13. horse and he was when just you're, <laughs> When you're 13. And then your friend goes, nah, dude, he's Kaiser Soze. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, that's he even tighter, dude. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> fucking usual. Son. Oh, that's fuck. so tight. Oh, yeah, fucking. Kaiser you know, you're an idiot. You know? Kaiser Rise from had wheelchair. I meant this. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, guys, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. Like I said, just want to acknowledge that we're recording this episode a couple days ago, your time. We don't know what's happening in Minneapolis right now. As you listen to this, we just know that as we're recording it, the world is burning and everything is horrifying. The president is using barely coded language to encourage uh, more racist murder. Mass murder. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Mass murder. And then Twitter um, was like, ah, ah, ah. And we've yet to see what twi- what Trump's clapback is going to be to right. uh, Twitter saying, like, I mean, it, the least they could do is just be like, oh, this is a violation of the terms of service, just so you know. Yeah. But we're going to leave it there because we want people to be able to talk about it. But, yeah. you know, maybe we'll leave the count up. I don't know. But everything is changing so quickly, man. Like, yeah. It's- so if you want up to date, if you want our up to date reactions, uh, may I suggest our afternoon uh, podcast where we just check in with what is happening in the moment and put it right up. It is called Some Play on Trend. Trend or Bender. Uh, or Zeitgeist. Yeah. Really great just, sell it's there. Got a bad, it's got a bad pun in the name. Uh, so check out here the with bad a pen, pun. With my pen in my hand, ready to write What's something. What's it called? <laughs> and then it's like a meandering, I don't know. It's just like, this, and you're like writing down, I don't know. It's like a pun. This is a long title. <laughs> is that dot um, Yeah, but I don't know, man. It's fucking, I'm, ex- I've, I am, look, we, we're, we're recording this Friday. I am exhausted. I have not slept. Yeah. I am yeah. distraught. I am having terrible conversations, highly emotionally charged conversations with my family uh, on my black side uh, of just kind of checking in with each other and looking at it from multiple generations of being African-American in this country and the cycle of violence that continues. And we're like, it's all, all of our lifetimes have been the same. And then just being so disheartened by that. Uh, And yeah, you know, uh, what's that Lenin quote? Some decades, nothing happens. And then some weeks, decades happen. Yeah. Like yeah. this is this feels like that. I mean, I can't I can't really even keep does. track of everything. And to the point where we literally stopped talking about COVID-19. We somehow yeah. yeah. Like that's really how all over the place uh the last, you know, 14 days have been. Uh 
So yeah, I, I'm the next next show. I'm sure so much more will have happened because it seems like every ten minutes your phone goes off with some kind of alert. Yeah. So what one thing we we do want to acknowledge that Janelle Monet is the correct. At least I want to acknowledge Janelle Monet is the correct Bowie 2.0 for Labyrinth, the mm-hmm. Labyrinth reboot. Just in terms of as an artist, and also she's a really great actor, uh, which Bowie was a surprisingly good actor. So I don't I don't know if you saw if you listened to the, the episode when Scott was on, but we were talking about the Labyrinth reboot, yeah. and you know like wh- who like who is appropriate? A lot of I've heard, a lot of people said Harry Styles. Some people said Imogen Heap. Uh, Janelle Monae, I think had. I think I'm more, the probably one of the more compelling arguments. Uh, I think so. But yeah, I think it's just uh, I'm. It's it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with that role, or if there is even a part for that to try and even say like this is who. Is yeah, I mean that's so hard to you know. Yeah, and not that to to get the part in Labyrinth means you're the new David Bowie, but <laughs> <laughs> although I'm sure there yeah. will be takes like that on the internet and be like, exactly, you see. Uh, Donald yeah, Glover think, is the new David Bowie. Yeah, the day we say that Harry Styles <laughs> is the new David Bowie is. That's, yeah, yeah, I think that's day. probably my least favorite suggestion. But yeah, that, I think the thing that, that, that he has is that with. he's got a little bit of uh, androgyny to him, and he's English, and yeah. that's about it. I'm not <laughs> like, like I'm not getting big Bowie him. energy though. I'm not getting that. BBE. Yeah, I'm not either. No. Yeah. No. Uh, I don't think Harry Styles is ever going to forget uh, three entire years of his career uh, like <laughs> Bowie did. I, I think that's pure, <laughs> pure Bowie. Uh, yeah, and he and he's got to like marry the equivalent of Iman. Like that's yeah. Yeah, who yeah. if that was the other part. Like, is there an equivalent the, of Iman? I don't even know. I don't even know who could. Be. It's like a. That's why David. I think is a unique, unique quantity there. Yeah. But let's talk about the world reopening. There are uh, super producer Sophie Lichterman just forwarded us an LA Times article about how Governor Newsom says that LA is going to be able to open some restaurants and barber shops. Uh, my kids need a haircut bad, <laughs> man. They are like, I'm having to put their hair in little buns every morning because oh, they nice. just like, <laughs> it can't, uh, it can't see. It's, it, that's where we're at. Yeah, there's just a lot of questions around reopening. You know, it does seem like the numbers are uh, kind of leveling out in a lot of places. L.A. I, I don't know. There specifically, LA, L.A. was a hot spot a, like few, a few days ago. Yeah, <laughs> and if you look at uh, the graph of our daily change, it's not going down. I mean, there's a huge spike uh, on the 21st, but then it dropped, and then it continued to go up. I'm not. You know, like the county had to ask for like special permission from the state to do this. Cause Right, because they didn't fit all the criteria, right? Yeah. So yeah. why the fuck would I go out? Like what the fuck? Yeah. And again, I understand that there is like, you know, the need for business owners to begin to do business again, but the onus shouldn't be on the business owner to figure out how to do that by opening their business. I think the government yeah. needs to figure out how to keep everybody safe and then address that financial impact next rather than because everything, the priorities have been completely reversed. It's like, well, yeah, figure out the, the financial problem and then the safety problem we'll just deal with, but the money first. I mean, the whole point is you you need to like, it's a, it's a virus. So you need to th- figure out who has it and then how can you say like it's, 
the things that we know about the virus, it's like you need to wear a mask because it's yeah. in droplets and it's so if you're going to start doing these things where you're going to start reopening, you know, people need to figure out like, yeah, you can go to a restaurant, but you should wear a mask unless you're sitting, you know, you're not sitting outside and you're sitting 10 feet away from people like, yeah, just sort of understand how these things travel and how these things infect people like, you know, the, the plans that you even see for restaurants, you know, like that, the like restaurants in L.A. have to abide by this code or whatever to be, you know, in compliance. And it's like it's, like, it's just like separating tables by six feet, putting some physical barriers if, you know, distancing isn't possible like those don't still really feel like robust safety measures. And I'm, and they could be, and I'm sure they are absolutely, I know they're better than going back to absolute pre COVID times of our way of business, but like it, to know that we're still not, we're not close to like real good uh, therapeutic treatments for this and yeah. these other things. It's like, well, uh, that's, that's the yeah. thing. I, that's the thing I think most people want to be like, that's fine because if I catch it, I know I can get there's medicine for it and yeah, it's not going to yeah. escalate to the point where I have to worry about losing my life. Right. Um, so, I mean, some businesses are facing are facing this more. I mean, so we have the NBA, which I think uh, was voting over the weekend or at the start of this week of whether they should have the playoffs uh, in Disney World starting in mid-July. Uh, the owners and players, uh, I think the players are are on board, but yeah. that's uh, I don't think they've had the official vote. Um, but Disney World itself and other theme parks are talking about reopening, and it it just seems like I can't imagine going to a theme park right now. Like no. just the the yeah. vibe of like crowds. Well, we talked uh, last week because when Disney finally put a date on it, like first they're like, we're going to open like that. They're basically saying capacity is going to be reduced. There's no fireworks, parades or character meetings, like anything that's going to encourage yeah. that more contactless payment options if they want it. Uh, but and masks and temperature checks. But I I don't know. Yeah. Like it's what are you going to do? Like a bunch of kids you are going to get a bunch of kids I mean, to keep the their masks on. Like it's yeah. a weird it's a lot to ask people, like especially excited children at fucking Disney World. Yeah, like, Disney World, the most exciting place for a kid, Disney World. Right. Well, put yeah. your mask on. You have slow. to social distance from Goofy. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah. It's like, no way. Like, he's going to. No, honey, get the fuck away from and... Mickey. Oh, my God. <laughs> what, Mom? What? Nothing. I just love you like, so that is, much. And that's Disney. Like, think about places that aren't like Legoland is planning on June 1st. SeaWorld is opening in June. Those are places that I don't know. I don't know that they're going to be like everything is going to be perfectly sterilized at all those and, places, let alone like di like that Mickey Mouse like smells like sweat. That's what that <laughs> dude smells like when you go up next to him like the all mascots do. So like right. that's it's I think the fact droplets. The fact that we have these conversations where they say they're opening and are like, there's there's plenty of people who are like, fuck yeah, I can't wait to go. I saw those posts from, you know, angry white women who are like, I yeah. need to get back to the magical kingdom. Like, I just have to get <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, yeah. And I get those are people who are absolutely don't care. But there's cl clearly, I mean, we've seen the polling. Most people, majority of people are like, mm. yeah, yeah. And business owners should be looking at that and being like, that's not, that's not a customer. Someone who goes, well, mm. 
Yeah. That's it's not relevant. <laughs> it's just the financial reality. Like you're clearly seeing them do things that don't fully make sense because of the financial reality they find themselves in. Uh, the Universal is opening uh, with a fun, uh, sternly written warning about the dangers of infection while visiting uh, and downing your butter beer. Uh, they, they will have this uh, that you have to acknowledge. Any interaction with the general public poses an elevated risk of being exposed to COVID-19. We cannot guarantee that you will not be exposed during your visit. <laughs> yeah. okay. Welcome, guys. <laughs> All right. Hey, so who wants to meet the sorting hat? <laughs> At least somebody is uh, having fun with it. Gatorland down in Florida uh, oh. has decided to create a new mascot uh, who is the social distancing skunk ape. Uh, and it's just a dude in a... Wow. In a gorilla costume. Like an uh, Amazon with... Prime gorilla costume. Wow, that is yeah. that is phenomenal. You can always count yeah. on alligator parks to really be on the front lines of yeah. a safety yeah. as well as fashion choices there. Which makes me think, like, right, we saw what tiger ain't like sanctu- quote unquote sanctuaries were like. What yeah. the fuck is going on on gator farms? <laughs> it's not like, fun for them. Can please? I know there's uh Everglade, there's Glade Zite Gang out there, Florida Zite Gang. What is is it? Is it just pretty? Like, do you think there's some interesting shit going on, or is just like, nah, it's they just got a bunch of gators. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. I want to know. One of the most memorable reality shows I've ever seen was like, I think Gator Hunter or something, but it was just a guy and his sons riding around on fan boats with shotguns shooting you mean uh, <laughs> you mean swamp people is that is that the yeah. name of the show and they they were oh, they man. were there were those um they were like cajuns in louisiana yeah, they, yeah. yeah. Louisiana, and they were like yeah, yeah we was... gotta go down down to buskio to get <laughs> yeah, the like... alligator and you're like the buskio <laughs> i remember that was like one of my f- i watched that show because i was like i was telling everybody i'm like because i love Boosky. accents and regional voc- vocab i'm like this is i've never seen like unfiltered uh like swamp culture like cajun like this before uh, and they're like, yeah, down to Buskio. Uh, so, yeah. And it was like very weird how they hung rotten meat and then would just like plug it right in the head with like, yeah. a, like a rifle. And then like, all right, load it up on the Wild. boat. Uh, anyways, uh, check out Gatorland's social distancing skunk ape. Uh, that, that's something. Yeah, skunk ape is a thing that I didn't realize that uh, down in the Buskio, a lot of people <laughs> think that... Uh, <laughs> think that Bigfoot is actually a stinky animal. He's called skunk ape. <laughs> oh, he, boy. There's, there's so much I don't know about the... the um, what is it? Buskio? What's the Buskio? Yeah. <laughs> the Buskio, man. Hey. <laughs> if um, I end up in the Buskio, I have made some, some horrible wrong turns in my life. I did not <laughs> intend to go there. Yeah, I was sorry. I was looking for a Coles. <laughs> I'm in the Buskio. <laughs> And yet some of the, like, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been is, like, rural Louisiana. It's very, it's very well, strange. How, it's so like, picturesque, like, the, it, man. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Gator Gang, Gator Zite Gang, let us know. Like, what's, what are these Yeah, gator let us know like? what's going on down there. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into our uh, weekly watches. Mm-hmm. Miles, should we start with you? Should we start with Love Birds? Yes. I did not know, like, the way they marketed this. 
it looked like it was like a straight up love story, like not a not like a rom com, but like I don't know the way they. Uh, I was seeing it on Twitter, like when when I first saw it, and then I saw the trailer, and that shit looks very funny. I like, didn't. It looks see- very good. I knew nothing except for I knew this film like was supposed to be a theatrical release, and then I think Netflix like there was some kind of uh, lockdown deal basically to be like let's get this out here, we'll pay you for it. like everybody wins. So and I just knew I'm like great, uh, they're two hilarious people like this is going to be fantastic, and I had no idea even as I watched it what was going on. I just knew it was a rom com. So cut to. It starts off as a rom-com where it's like very amazing. Like it's just portraying like the their first, like the morning after their first date or whatever. And like, it's like one of those things where like they're nailing how like in a relationship, you kind of start like that momentum starts building. We're like, I don't know if you like you figure out you like all the same shit and like it's all yeah. working out, whether it is or you're just desperate to have it work out. But like <laughs> that energy and then it's like a hard cut to four years later. They're fucking fighting like crazy. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, there, but there's like great, there's great writing. And I don't even want to like, there's so many jokes I want to even describe, but I'm just going to let people enjoy because they're, it's, it's full of really great moments. But essentially, it's about this couple who, like, on their way to a dinner party, they're breaking up. They realize, like, in the, during this fight they're having, that they need to break up. Like, it's, they, it, right. we've compl- it's, this has run its course. We're just spinning the bowl at this point. Nothing's working. Let's just call it what it is and just say, we took the L, but we did it honorably. And then as they, like, sort of deal with that moment that their relationship ends, they suddenly hit, a uh, like, a bicycle, like a cyclist. And they're like, oh and my we've all God. Been there. Yeah, we've yeah. all been there. And then like the cyclist <laughs> yeah. though is very is fine, but is desperate to leave and takes off on their bike. And they're like so confused because they thought they needed help. A man ends up commandeering during their vehicle and murders the cyclist. <laughs> and they're like, We thought you were a cop. And then begins Because he now, says, I'm a cop. Let, yeah. Like, let me in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this he's all in the trailer. Uh and then from there, like, it's just like this couple who just broke up, like trying to figure out like all right, like we kind of just broke up, but like we can't really go to the police right now. And we have <laughs> some like some materials that could potentially help exonerate us. So do we just kind of like, stay together and try and solve this mystery <laughs> and figure out what's going right. on? Um, but I think what's really, really fantastic, uh, what I was saying before we started recording is that like the writing is great in the sense that it helps sort of encapsulate like what millennial fights are like or like older millennial like people in their 30s couples fights are that like are really well articulated like just battles over absolute bullshit nothing um (laughs) but like the fuck they're like they are going to church with some of these points and you're like yeah you're right like you guys wouldn't win the amazing race (laughs) there's a moment where they uh (laughs) <laughs> where she tests the door and is locked yeah. and then he like tests the door and she's like, I'm sorry, did you think it was one of those men only doors? <laughs> and that just like resonated so much with yeah. me. I've done dumb shit like that just kind of absently, like just, you know, not thinking yeah. about it, but just like, you know, I want to yeah. see how locked it is. Yeah. And yeah, it's pretty <laughs> my wife's like, it's- fuck <laughs> you, man. <laughs> but yeah, so it has that where like, and you know, Issa Rae is a just phenomenal comedian performer, and so is Kumail. So like, I don't. That's why I'm really curious. I want to almost read what the script was, so I can either fully take my wig off to the the writer 
and say, wow, like, big and wake. You, re- you wrote all these fucking lines. Like, they're so good. Or <laughs> I'm like, either way, the plot is fantastic. But I'm also curious to know how much they improvise, too, because some yeah. of it is just so like it, it was one of those things that really was very pleasant. It was a film I needed to desperately see. I was like, great. Uh, an interracial couple uh, that is not like one white person and a person of color, like two people of color in a relationship. Like, this is great. The jokes are great. Yeah. So like I said, everything's like a movie, uh, an airplane movie at the moment because of lockdown. <laughs> but like, God damn, this yeah. is like one of those airplane movies where you go, yo, I just watched the funniest thing on the flight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know again, because like people's, I don't know, like on, I don't know what the, how the IMDB reviews work. They're probably trash anyway, but like it didn't get, it got a six. And I'm like, this is... It's at a six on IMDb? That's absurd. Comedies and horror movies are generally, like, when you you look at their uh, audience scores, they're usually pretty, like, hit and miss. Right. I feel like. People have very defined ideas on, you know, like, what's funny. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I can only imagine, like, a two-person of color rom-com. Right. um, Yeah. You know, like would be the racism that's encountered, right? Yeah, or the racism people don't realize they have in them, where because it's a thing they are not used to seeing that has been force fed through like the studios that they go, I don't know. It's like something was like, uh, yeah, it was okay. I just didn't believe they'd be in a relationship, right? It's (laughs) 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 but there's so many like self aware jokes like that where they're like. We're two people who may be implicated in a murder and we're people of color. So, like, well, fuck, no, we're not going to the police. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, there are moments like that that really play to just sort of, uh, I don't know. It's, it's uh, again, very I can't national. say. Very enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break and uh, we will do a tonal downshift to the Epstein <laughs> documentary. <laughs> And we're back and sitting atop the uh, Netflix top 10. The end of last week was a filthy rich Jeffrey Epstein documentary. You know, super producer Anna Hosnier was asking uh, on Friday's episode, like, how did they get it out so quickly? It seems like they were making this before his suicide slash murder. So because like some of the interviews are even people being like, you know, talking about how even now I'm worried that he's going to like come find me and stuff like that. I will say that this doesn't have a lot of new information. If you've read like all the stories, you know, there was that Miami Herald series that really kind of laid out how his Florida operation uh, was working and like how he had like sort of a pedophile Ponzi scheme going. And so, like, a lot of it, uh, the first episode at least, is, like, devoted to laying out, like, how that operation worked. And then interviewing these women whose lives were completely destroyed by, by that experience of, you know, being victimized by him, but also, like, being implicated in the recruiting of like their friends because right. that got them just as much money. And a lot of these people were from, you know, difficult backgrounds. So, I mean, even though there's not new information, it's like to see it like that. Yeah. To see it is like basically new information to yeah. actually like 
see the people who it happened to and whose lives were ruined. Um, you, uh, Jelaine Maxwell, or uh, I don't know how how is it pronounced? Gilane. 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 Does not come off well. Uh, so I know you guys were uh, wondering. Uh, a lot of people were wondering heading in. How's she gonna come off? Yeah. Is she a cool person? She likes Turns in and out. out no. Huh? <laughs> yeah. So she's not. She's not good. Uh, she. She's really, really a bad, bad person. Like to the um, point where you're like, why isn't she in jail right now? What is going yeah, on? What is yeah. what's happening? How is this person? Each not episode in jail? ends w- ends with a end plate being like Jelaine Maxwell denies all allegations against yeah, her yeah. because I guess oh. they tried to reach out to her for you know comment and they got none. Who they did get though, Dersh. The Dersh is the front dirt. and center, uh, just looking like somebody who's being eaten alive by his own, <laughs> just like all the evil things that are happening inside his body, but like his own like moral, like whatever he's done to morally justify uh, to himself, like he is, there's just enough momentum. So he's like, right. I don't know, man, he looks like a cadaver, but he's he also does. like just so mask off about everything. <laughs> uh, at one point he's like, I, I dare you to try and get Virginia Jufri to claim that I had sex with her. And then they just cut her and she's like, yeah, he like sexually assaulted me. They're accepted, child. sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what a f- yeah, it's real. It's real bad. The, like the big things, the, the takeaways other than just like these truly haunted, haunting, you know, victims, you know, the way watching the Florida state, case against Epstein fall apart and it's like they have him dead to rights they're talking to the state attorney he's like yeah this guy's never gonna see the light of day again and then something happens behind the scene and suddenly nobody's returning their calls Uh, one of the FBI agents is openly weeping because she feels like she's letting down these uh, victims somebody who I think is like sort of a paralegal in the office of the Florida state attorney is like, she doesn't realize how deep this goes or like how momentous the corruption is. So she's just like talking about it. She's like, man, I wish I could tell you more, but uh, yeah, it's just not really, it's really not looking good. Like, and just it's wild. And the fact that Kenneth star is on his defense team the thing you're left with is it's amazing that any of these lawyers are able to show their face and play society right. ever again. It's wild. Like that. They're not all just banished or completely shunned as just, yeah. you know, not allowed to yeah. go anywhere outside. It's just ridiculous. Not a, uh, not a ringing endorsement for late capitalism. I would say, uh, just, like the the corruption is so just out in the open. There's there's one part where there's this like big Wall Street billionaire guy who's like talking about how he and Jeffrey Epstein like built this empire together, uh, and he talks about how like one of the big banks introduces him to Jeffrey, and he's like, and I was told uh, that Epstein was like really energetic, really smart. 
but his moral compass is upside down. And he was like, and that appealed to us very much because we were running a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. So like literally he's, they're running a Ponzi scheme. It's Um, so weird though, that there are people with the self-awareness to be like, yeah, what we need are people with inverted moral compasses. Like, and and there that person is. And then that was great, great. That's just unapologetic. Oh, it's like, oh, we love yeah. your work. We love your work. <laughs> yeah, you fucking sociopath. So how many episodes is this? It's four episodes. I, I powered Ooh. through. I was wondering. You watched all of them? Yeah, I watched oh, all of them. Oh, damn. Four. I was wondering why uh, the documentary like kind of gives Clinton, like they keep emphasizing. So uh, Prince Andrew, also not a good guy. I know that was also like uh written in a lot of people's uh the questions that were asking me is that guy seems cool right uh so it turns out no not uh, not a good guy and in fact a pedophile at uh, no point in his life has prince andrew ever seemed cool though that that's but he he just is dead to rights like threat like there's this guy who's a groundkeeper groundskeeper on little saint jeff the like pedophile island and he talks about seeing prince andrew like grinding up against somebody like in the pool. And then it turns out it's Virginia Jeffrey, uh, who is the person who claimed that like he uh, sexually assaulted her when she was a child. And he like did that BBC interview where he was like, I don't recognize her at all, Mm -hmm. even though there's a picture of them like together. But Clinton kind of, there's like sort of a, they have people saying, well, I never saw Clinton do anything untoward. Uh, they literally have people say that. They're like, we saw him on the pedophile island uh, sitting with Jeffrey Epstein. We saw he flew on the pedophile plane, uh, the Lolita Express, 26 times, but we never saw him do anything bad. Mm. And that that struck me as weird. So our writer, JM, points out that uh, this was made by James Patterson, the crime fiction novelist, the like paperback dime store novelist. And that dude has like co-written a couple of books with Bill Clinton where yeah. he's Oh, like, that's right. We talked about that book. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they- so, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he wrote a oh couple years God. ago, a book with Bill Clinton called the president is missing all about a president who's uh, a single president. His wife died and on her deathbed was like, (laughs) you get out there and you fuck all the women president. And he's like, aye, aye. Um, (laughs) Salutes her and goes out. Hey, just call me the commander in chief. (laughs) (laughs) So the... So the, they're also writing a new book, a new novel together uh, called The President's Daughter, in which Chelsea oh. is uh, kidnapped and uh, he, the president has to uh, fuck his way out of it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> it's, like, Who knows? it's like Taken, but with Bill Clinton as the uh, Liam Neeson character. Oh, fuck Right, him. exactly. With Bill Clinton's Chelsea, dick as, the uh, as the... Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, man. What if, I mean... That's such a egregious conflict of interest to bring right. into a documentary like this. We're like, bruh, don't worry. The one guy, like one of the main people, everyone has a lot of questions about who is tied to Jeffrey Epstein 
is somehow I've been like, nah, dude, that guy, that guy though, who could still maybe be held to account for anything. Uh, until, yeah, now he's. I didn't see anything untoward. Untoward, yes. yeah. right? Yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. on what's described as it's, pedophile island. Right. Meanwhile, his account, yeah, kind of his account is that he never uh, went to pedophile island. He never went to the uh, New Mexico ranch. Mm. And meanwhile, oh, like right. everybody who worked there is like, yeah, I saw Clinton there all the time. Like he was, he was always <laughs> yeah. there. That's the like, thing. I, I don't know. I mean. Uh, this could be a terrible metaphor, but it's like it's like if you were like always on Snoop Dogg's tour bus, people would be like, "Ah, oh, that dude is probably high or like gets high. Like <laughs> right. he's on that yeah. bus all the time. Yeah. So I know well, this is what I do know. I know Snoop smokes so much weed on that bus. It's hot box to shit. So if you're on there, there's a good chance even if you didn't hit the blunt, you might have you might be high off of the secondhand smoke. And like on like the same thing, like when they talk about that that jet, you're like, really? Everyone, right. you, you hear what was going on on that jet, and like, but he was in like the the choir boys section, like yeah, with yeah. his like back turned and like noise canceling headphones on. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's just such a weird. It, one of the one of the women who is like a long term victim, like across multiple years, uh, talks about the trip to Africa with Kevin Spacey, Clinton, oh. Chris Tucker. Uh, and she says that like everything was kind of on the up and up on that trip. She was like, that trip was like one of the highlights of my life. But then I think it's, there's like some Stockholm stuff going on where she thinks that like, this is going to be the end of the sexual abuse because she's not being sexually abused on that trip. But then she's like, and then we got back and started right back up again. So um, that is a trip that I know a lot of people have had questions about, and uh, they say like Chris Tucker was a, a nice guy. But he's been on he's um, on those flight logs though, isn't he? Chris Tucker. Yeah. yeah. No. They. I mean, they took a flight to uh, Africa. I wonder if together. like yeah, like somehow and they have like, like Kevin Spacey's on on the flight, and he's like wearing a baseball cap. It's like really weird. It's like it's like. Kevin Spacey playing the character of a millennial or something. <laughs> oh, God. Baseball cap oh. with a little propeller on top of it. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm yeah. young. And a big lollipop. <laughs> yeah, he does like, have a big lollipop and a bonnet. I don't think that's appropriate uh, garb for trip yeah. to Africa. But so your toupee is flown away. A big diaper, and he's, uh, <laughs> he's roller skating around. Uh, I wonder if Chris so, Tucker was just like, hey, no nonsense. And at, like I'm gonna take this Africa trip seriously as like a as a black man, no no right. none, no bullshit around. But I, this was like for like an AIDS awareness thing. Like it was it wasn't yeah, like it some random trip. So it was like yeah. a thing where they. I mean, I think yeah, that would I to me that would make more sense that like they wouldn't go there and everyone would be like, oh yeah, on that trip versus like these shady flights that everyone can be like, I don't know what the right. fuck you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like how much contact did Chris Tucker actually have before that with like knowing who Jeffrey Epstein was? You know, like yeah, that. that's why I just want to hear from these people like Bill Gates. Yeah. Even I'm like, what exactly were you like, dude? And although yeah, yeah. he got weirded out, right? Wasn't wasn't he one of the people who eventually was just like, I don't know, that guy fucking freaked me the fuck out. But then there are those people who legitimately are like, I had to meet him once and I wanted nothing to do with well, him. Well, I all. think that's the thing for me in watching the first episode was mm-hmm. like they started this Vanity Fair story and it was the the story it was just based on like it was a society piece like 
who's this fabulously right. wealthy financial guy, you know? And like within the first or second interview, these stories started coming up. It's like, it's a pedophile pont, like as if Ponzi schemes couldn't be made worse. Let's chuck pedophile in right. there as well. Right. That's and like it, the only modifier almost, you could throw on. Like that's the yeah. highest. With very little work, this is what started to come out immediately. So it's like how everybody knew what this guy was doing. Like, yeah. it's just sort yeah. of like, ugh. Well, then I think, yeah, that's why I, I think that's why so many people are so interested in this, too, is because like it, it, it's just, you know, endemic. And I don't know, it, it just seems like one of these symptoms that we have of this like wealthy, uh, powerful class of people and yeah. how th this is just like how they rock. And like so many people, I think we're so interested on the like even conservatives because they've even for them, they're like. Bill Clinton might be have something to do with it, and like even right. people on the left right. are like, yeah, sure, fuck that, yeah, fucking everybody, man, like great, yeah. we all fucking agree, pedophilia bad, right? Let's yeah. fucking go. Uh, and then <laughs> it's like really, I think it was frustrating for so many people that he, his life ended so abruptly without any real sense of like, uh, like getting to the bottom of this. And now you want you would hope that we could be like, okay, so let's focus. There are people out here that probably can connect these dots. Yeah. Can we talk the one thing? So the one piece of new information that the documentary gives you about his death is that two days before he died, he had like changed his will around to make it so that his victims would never get a cent of his money if he died. So basically like the documentary seems to be of the opinion that he did kill himself and it was mm. like in keeping with his kind of behavior up to that point because he's just like this incredible narcissist who feels no uh guilt over what he's done and right. so he because he knows like his life is over he's going to find a way to protect his money from going to his victims but it's just i don't know i still like they also show you the colloidal bone thing where the uh examiners like i've never seen anything like this in my many many uh autopsies uh and suicides like a very common way that people die and like i've never seen anyone yeah. uh, have this bone broken in three places let alone from like just kneeling forward so i don't know i i question marks no continue <laughs> the question marks do continue yeah yeah, let's get and... someone to produce one that isn't fucking friends with someone who could be implicated in the yeah, whole that, fucking that, that'd, thing. That's right. a better idea. That would be good. Because then it, it's, um, and it's also, again, that's the thing with these documentaries, too. Like, it's all, the, we call them documentaries, but the it, there's, they're so biased in that yeah, the executive right. producer who's going to have the final say on the cut is going to, of course, have things that are going to absolve Bill Clinton or at least not try and tidy that up. So it's like, well, this documentary certainly isn't going to make it hot for Bill Clinton, and this documentary yeah. certainly isn't going to make it hot for the idea that maybe Jeffrey Epstein's death was untoward in any way, because then that would implicate that there are people still alive who have a vested interest in him dying. Because dot dot dot. So right. Uh, but I'm, I'm uh, the clips I've seen were like so. You know, I have just this morbid fascination. I think we all do with Jeff Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll just wait a bit. I think I'll watch Lovebirds again because it was heartbreaking. It's I layered. definitely made the wrong choice. Hey, check I out Lovebirds yeah. though. <laughs> I watched the Lovebirds trailer after I watched the first episode <laughs> of the Jeffrey Epstein, and I was just like, "Why did you like, do that yeah, to yourself?" Milk I, was a bad one, choice. One other, <laughs> one other new piece of information is mm. that people think that he had a sexual relationship with 
uh, Leslie Wexner, the uh, Vanity oh. Fair, or not Vanity Fair, um, Victoria's Secret uh, CEO and like billionaire who ended up giving him like uh, access to all his money. So yeah, right. uh, that's an interesting wrinkle that I I hadn't heard about. Um, yeah. And all these people still alive, still able to remember yep. things, yep. still able to talk uh, with their mouths. Uh, well, Greg, it's been a pleasure having you, man. Where can yeah, uh, people find me. you and uh, follow you? Instagram, Citizen Critic Pod. Um, that's kind of my my handle is no handle required, which is hey. I did all these things before. Hey, you know what I'm saying? I like uh, wow. before I ever actually thought that I was going to do a podcast. And on Twitter, <laughs> I'm a little turd, but I don't. Again, <laughs> never, never imagined that I would ever be giving that Twitter handle out to anyone. Little turd. Uh, how are you yeah. spelling that? I spell that these that. days. <laughs> this is this is what I'm gonna actually have to look at because I'm like, how do I spell little turd? L i t l t u r d. All right, there you go. Little turd. And is there a, a tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, so I I love Jess Dweck. I love all of her tweets. I don't know if you are follow yeah. her on Twitter. Um, she's wonderful. But I just the the last tweet that she sent was uh i guess racism is an essential business which i just think right she always nails trump and trump jr and all those guys and does it in a way that kind of makes me laugh and cry a little bit inside at the same time so i anything that that she tweets out i always tend to enjoy yeah i just thought that Um, was completely spot on yeah miles where can people uh find you and follow you uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, PlayStation Network at Miles of Gray, uh, and also my other podcast, Four Twenty Day Fiance. If you'd like a soothing distraction and just talking about <laughs> absolutely nothing, Ninety Day Fiance, the trash reality show. I'm just high ranting about it with another comedian. That might Excellent. be good for your ears right now. <laughs> Check out Four Twenty Day Fiance, and even if you haven't seen it, most people don't watch it and still listen. So a couple of tweets I like. First one is from uh, Andrew T, a past guest. He tweeted, he said, LA, if you're curious whether all these businesses opening back up this week means it's safe to go out, consider that the one industry where rich people have to put in long hours next to working class people, film and TV production, isn't even close to starting back up. Uh, and mm. I think that is very... Uh, uh, horrifying observation uh, and then uh, another one from rob delaney always the classic at rob delaney he said there's one place i'll quote unquote take marijuana the fucking toilet to flush it to hell <laughs> that's good so stupid uh- <laughs> Z-Way, uh, who writes for Jesus and Marrow, tweeted, can't believe Corona blew a 28-3 lead to racism. <laughs> and uh, then Super Producer Anna Hosnier uh, forwarded uh, a tweet from uh, Brokey McPoverty, uh, which was, she tweeted, uh, black people riot when they're angry over being murdered and oppressed reaches a boiling point. Here are some fun reasons why white people have rioted. And it's screen caps of headlines. Uh, their sports team loses. Their sports team wins. Their sports <laughs> team's coach leaves to coach somewhere else. They were told they couldn't party anymore, and it's mm-hmm. James Madison U block party turns into a riot. 30 arrested. Pumpkins. Uh, <laughs> it's just an L.A. <laughs> time headline. Riot breaks out at New Hampshire Pumpkin Festival. 
Uh, they don't like straw hats, the 1922 straw hat riot. <laughs> Uh, because because their sports coach left after he covered up child molestation. Oh, Joe Pa. Penn State riots after Joe Paterno's ousting. Surfing. Yeah, that is US wild. Open that... of surfing turns into a riot. Oh. Yeah, that Penn Woodstock State Woodstock 99 was ridiculous. too fun, I guess. The moment that Woodstock 99 went up in flames. Cabbage Patch Kids. The strange story of Cabbage Patch Kids riots of 1983. Riots. Multiple riots of one year. Uh, decided the they hate disco. That were doing the rioting. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so that's important to remember. Uh, decided they hate disco, and it was a disco demolition night, which somebody uh, pointed out was a uh, homophobic movement, the anti-disco thing, uh, and also racist. Uh Black people wanted educations, uh, 1962 Mississippi race riots, uh, and most glaringly of all, because black people were prospering and doing just fine without them. Uh, and that is the Tulsa race massacre. So uh, just to keep in mind, if you have, find yourself having the thought of why, why are these riots happening? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Miles, what are we going to ride out on today? Uh, this is a track from Sango and Jules. Uh, Sango's like a producer. I really like a lot of his music. A lot of the stuff I've played from him before is like heavily sampling uh, Brazilian music and just based off the title of this EP that he has out uh, Fufu and Grits I have a feeling we're going to hear some West African and Central African samples of Fufu being the cassava dish that if you've you've, uh, eaten any traditional West African Central African cooking uh, it's fantastic it's like you dip it with your soup and your sauce and it's just like a nice starchy thing to keep your belly full Um, and this track is called Ritmo Coco and it's just again great summer vibes but it's like it's 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 or like a lot of great sampled guitar um, licks in there, but also the beat is a little you know dancey. So you get you know just let the sun hit your face uh, and take it in. This is Ritmo Coco. All right, well we're gonna ride out on that. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's gonna do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.